Welcome to the John Brown University Chapel podcast, recorded in the historic Cathedral of the Ozarks in Salem Springs, Arkansas. Our chapel presenters for this week are professors of visual arts Aaron Shaw and Bobby Martin. Aaron and Bobby recently collaborated with fellow artist Tony Tiger on a project entitled Altars of Reconciliation. This project focuses on the experiences of the artists as Native Americans and as Christians, and is currently due to begin traveling in fall 2022. I'm going to pray to get us started, and I'm going to pray in Chickasaw. Would you just please pray with me? Ponki Chihuahua Abi Ishbenene Ima Nitok Chokma Ishpomana Yakuke Ichamanchi Nenuneke Ishta Aye Shenchihu Chokma Chihukuma Elani. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Aaron. I'm uh, I want to say Hinche, which is greetings, and Mado, thank you for having us here. Thank you. I'm glad we're in this place together. This is amazing. I love it. Um, my name is Bobby Martin. I am a proud citizen of the mighty Muscogee Creek Nation in Oklahoma. I want to say citizen, not a tribal member. Tribal member suggests that that's some kind of a social club. We are actually, the Muscogee Nation is a sovereign nation within the boundaries of the United States. Um, I wanted to start us off with a scripture, which is Genesis 50, 20. As for you, you meant evil against me, but God meant it for good, to bring about that many people should be kept alive as they are today. And you probably know from Old Testament survey class, the context of this, Joseph um, is talking to his brothers in Egypt after many years of not seeing them, and they're thinking that he's going to give them the death penalty for what they did to him, which if you remember right, was, was Joseph was first, they tried to throw him in a pit and, and, and kill him, then he was forcibly removed to uh, by selling him as a slave. And as an indigenous person, um, this scripture really resonates with me and helps me to understand a very difficult history that my family has lived through, my ancestors, all the way up to today. And we still deal with that. But today we'd like to tell you a story that is not about survival. It's, it's, it's not about all the bad stuff, but it's one of ultimate transcendence, the transcendence of the gospel, the transcendence of the word of God over histories that are fraught with with horrible things. So I'm going to turn it over to Aaron and talk a little bit about that history. So before I start with the history, um, I just want to tell a quick story. Um, I have a son, Samuel. He's 15 years old. Last year, he was um, studying... Native American history in school. And he was coming home and having conversations, asking questions, we were discussing things. It was sort of like a a weeks long conversation. And um, I remember at some point we began discussing the term genocide in relation to uh, the the period of history between European contact and removal. And 
when you, which is a, a word that many scholars are a little bit um, hesitant to use in relation to that, but when you talk about the loss of life that happened within indigenous people in North America, um, it, the numbers are staggering, and it's about 90% of life was lost in that period of time. And I remember that when Samuel came home one day, and he just, he's just like, you know, marinating on it and, and rolling it around in his head, and he said to me, so mom, it's like a big deal that we're still here. And I said, precisely. And I wanted to, to begin by saying that you will find within Native um, communities that it is a value of ours to say that we are still here. And that is because of the history. It is a value of ours to step into whatever space it is we find ourselves and to say, I am Aaron Shaw. I'm a citizen of the Chickasaw Nation, and this is the tension of what it means to be alive in America in the 21st century and to be Native American. So the other thing that I want to say before I get started is that Native America is not a monolith, and this is really important to state because there are, in the United States, there are 574 federally recognized tribes. There are 39 uh, federally recognized tribes in the state of Oklahoma, and it's important to say this because each of those tribes would have different languages, different practices, different belief systems, different societal norms. They would have a different story with European contact. Some uh, tribal communities would have encountered different missionaries with different agendas, different boarding school experiences. It is very vast. It's very different. So the, it, is, uh, it would be really irresponsible for us to step into this place and try to talk about Native America as some sort of one singular thing um, because we are very diverse. And I will try to give you a little just, I'm going to try to cover it a lot in a very short period of time and then just get to more stories that you, um, you may like to hear about from our specific um, own experience. So one of the things that I want to talk about is the doctrine of discovery, just to start with. The doctrine of discovery was a decree of the Pope that asked early explorers to, and I'm just going to read this only because I think that it's important for you to know the verbiage, um, to invade, search out, capture, vanquish, and subdue all pagans whatsoever and other enemies of Christ wheresoever placed Kingdoms, dukedoms, principalities, dominions, possessions, all movable and immovable goods whatsoever held and possessed by them and to reduce their persons to perpetual slavery. To apply appropriate um, measures to these kingdoms, dukedoms, counties, principalities, dominions, possessions, and goods to convert them to his and their use and profit. So at the time, the Catholic Church would have been the highest authority, the Pope would have been the highest authority in these men's lives, and they were given complete, basically a decree to say, go and conquer the land and the people and take whatever it is that you would like by whatever means necessary. This is the same document that perpetuated the African slave trade from the African continent to the European and American continents. And, and why was this important? I think and a lot of times when we talk about, we have these conversations, there's a lot of discussion about racial reconciliation today. And in a lot of the conversation, I often will hear people say, why can't we just get over this? Why can't we just move past this? This is something that has happened in the past and I didn't have anything to do with this. And I think that there can be elements of that that are that are, that are true. We do have to move forward. We have moved forward. But the reason it's important is because this document 
encoded racial ideas that created a hierarchy of power that lied in the hands of European Christians. And these realities remain embedded in American Christianity today. So it's not so much just something that happened, it's the legacy of what happened. And as we sort of talk about um, our own experiences of, of, of knowing, what I like to talk about is the tension of being Native American and Christian. Because in our Native communities, many people would say that you cannot be Christian and Native, that it's an, it's an oxymoron. You cannot, um, you cannot do those things at the same time. And so what has it been like for us to live in that tension? And actually, what does that have what do we have, I think, as um, a, something to give to this conversation in this place from a place of love? This is my family's roll card. So in, when, when we went from European contact to statehood in the state of Oklahoma, I'm a citizen of the Chickasaw Nation. I'm also of Choctaw and Cherokee descent. Um, there was essentially a census where they recorded every Native American, and this is still a living history of ours. Uh, people, when they meet Native American people, they will often say, so how Indian are you? And I like to try to stay away from that conversation because that was a European construct that was put onto us. It's not ever the way that really Native Americans would talk about themselves. It's who I am. It's not a how much I am. This is um, a document of a land allotment from Sophia Colbert, who I'm a direct descendant of. And this is a letter um, from Joseph Colbert, who was the chief of the Chickasaw Nation, his, her husband, um, at one point. And it's a letter that he wrote to the government. Also, I am a direct descendant of James Colbert. And he, in this letter, is asking the United States government to intervene. And in the letter, I don't know if you can see it or not, but towards the end of it, he closes it as, I pray, protect us from ruin. And so these are, these are our stories. This is where we come from. And as artists, when I first met Professor Martin, I was really looking for people, as, an, as a Native American, I was wondering what kind of, how, how are people dealing with this tension? I didn't know a lot of Christians that were also Native. And so this was sort of like the bedrock of how our friendship was formed, was, was this discussion about how do we deal with this t tension? How do we... How do we navigate through it? And so we began talking about maybe like we should make some art around this. And so it was a course of, I don't know, it was a lot of years actually in the making. And so we began to engage these ideas within our art practice. And we're going to talk a little bit about altars of reconciliation. That was my very long intro. And then talk a little bit about what the what it is that we have gained in the conversation that we've been able to have because of this. So this is a family Bible and photographs. We also are working on this project with one collaborating artist as well. His name is Tony Tiger. That is his real name. And it's the three of us um, in this working on these ideas that is encapsulated with Altars of Reconciliation. Bobby's going to tell you a little bit about his work within that. So this, yeah, this show was something that percolated for a long time in our minds because as Aaron mentioned there was this tension not only within our own lives and personalities but even within like the native communities like you're going to make a show about Christianity as natives I don't know if that's you know something you should do as native people and so we felt like there was going to be a lot of resistance to that 
But it felt like God was saying, okay, you, you have to do this. You have to do this because you're, you're walking in these two worlds. How do, you, how do you bring those two worlds together? You, they, they can't be incompatible. And so we, as we talked about how, how to do this, that's where we went to a show that, that Aaron was having in Oklahoma City. And I don't even know if we, we knew you were Christian at that point, maybe. I think, I we, think so. we, we met at a coffee shop after going through her show, Tony and I did. And we, we just started this conversation. It was definitely a conversation that was like, oh, man, this is something we've been, we need to do. And we kept talking about it. We kept talking about it. It was like probably four or five years or more knowing we needed to do it, and God kept prompting us to do it, and finally it was like, okay, we just have to do this. And so, so I wrote a uh, proposal and submitted it to a, an art venue in Tulsa, thinking, well, you know, this is a you know, this religious, it's a secular venue, they're not going to accept that as some kind of very, you know, re- overtly religious uh, art show. But, you know, as God does and works, he did allow that show to be shown at the the, the Hardesty Arts Center in Tulsa, down in the, in the Brady Arts District. And as a result of that, we were able to, to think about putting this show together, and then, then it was like, okay, how do you do this? So our title became Altars of Reconciliation. Not that we want to build altars to, to worship to, it's more symbolic, but it's also about not only altars, but the reconciliation part. And we're not, we're not in, no, in no way can we make this attempt to reconcile history or reconcile racial or whatever is more about the true reconciliation that we all need, reconciling ourselves to the, to the Lord. Everything else flows from that. And so what we wanted to do is then bring, bring our, our experiences, this tension, all the, all the things that we struggle with and we've been blessed by into this, into this art show. And so part of my work was involving you may or may not know this history. One of the one of the main ways that tribal languages have survived over the centuries is through missionary work. American Bible Society, Wycliffe Bible translators, all those folks, as far back as earliest contact, were translating tribal languages into scripture. The first thing that was produced and printed in my tribal language, Muscogee Creek, was the Gospels and the Psalms. And they were passed out as little prayer books and little scripture books. Those kind of, th- those kind of things made our language survive. Um, and so I wanted to point that out in this show that scripture, the word of God, transcends culture. It transcends um, identity in a way that doesn't lessen or make our cultures less important, it just points out how transcendent the Word of God is. And it's, to me, that's, that's incredible that, I mean, you can go all the way back to Gutenberg setting his type in German. First thing that was set on immovable type was the Bible. So the Word of God has been uh, part of our um, experience for all these years. I also, the other thing that I really wanted to do with this show is give honor to my own spiritual heritage. This is my, my mom's sister, oldest sister. I just wanted to do these drawings to show them, give them honor, give them uh, the, the, the credit due them as my spiritual supporters, my spiritual formation. Um, put the gold leaf in because I didn't want it to be like a, a, 
I'm not worshiping these people. I'm just wanting to give them the praise and the honor that's due what they did for me in my life. And then the one picture that sort of summed it all up was this image of me. That's me as a little guy about six or seven years old standing in the midst of my granny, my mom, her sisters, physically surrounded. But this is also what I felt like emotionally and spiritually surrounded by these amazing, strong women that I know. I didn't know it at the time, and I probably didn't know it most of my growing up were praying for me, were taking care of me emotionally and spiritually, not just physically. And so I just, we want, I wanted to give them uh, that sort of honor and glory. But what we found with this show, as we, as we were able to show it in these secular venues, is we were able to talk about this very difficult history that has gone on since the first contact of colonial times. All the, all the forced removal, all the genocide, we were able to, something about art, something about bringing this in in art terms made that discussion more accessible, more easier to, to navigate through. It wasn't like we were trying to push it down people's throats or, or make some you know, very strident point. We just want to show this is our experience. This is how we navigated through this. And over and above all that, to me, it was about the transcendence of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ came to our tribal people and has been there for centuries and centuries. My, grand, my great-grandfather was a, didn't speak any English, but it was a, tra- a traveling Baptist preacher, a circuit-riding preacher that went at, around to different churches that was, to me, points out, yes, there were many bad things that happened, but through that, just like Genesis 50, 20 said, God meant it for good. He brought the gospel to my tribe, not that we were then going to be worshiping with some white man's religion or whatever, however you want to call it. We were worshiping our Lord. And that was, that was the, the, the amazing transcendence of the word of God and the gospel. Um, and so that's the reason we wanted to put this show together was to be able to, to talk about that, that idea of, yes, culture is important. Yes, identity is important. But ultimately, it's about the transcendence, the overarching story of Jesus Christ. Yeah, it's, it's really amazing to me the way that, that art has the capacity to create conversation where conversation needs to be had. So I like, I'm going to talk a little bit about my work for this show and my process as an artist. Those of you that know me know that I like a good question just about uh, as much as anything. So one of the questions that we were engaging was, why would I as a Native American, believe in the gospel of the white man? That was the verbiage of the question that was posed. Knowing the history, knowing how brutal it was, knowing the the way that so much of what I would um, have embraced as my own heritage was lost or destroyed or forgotten because of really at the hands of the Christian message. So why would I believe in the, in the gospel of the white man. And that became not a rhetorical question for me, but it became a, just a very sincere, genuine, true question. Why do I believe this? Why would I believe this? And I, was, I, I talk a lot about in my practice as an artist, what I bring to the process and then what the work brings back to me, what the work gives back to me. So that's what I'm gonna share with you very briefly. So my, what I brought to the process was this question, why do I believe this? And the other thing that I brought with, to the practice, or to, to my art, was this commitment to 
walk towards the tension, to not run away from the tension. Um, you guys are actually very familiar, you might use different words, but you're very familiar with this tension today. Young people, there's all kinds of concern about young people today and, and what your place is gonna be within the church. And if you care about Jesus and the church and Christianity, what the future of this is gonna look like, and that is because you are living in that tension as well. You're, you're used to tension in your own life. The places where beauty and pain coexist and the paradox of that, that's tension. And sometimes we, I think, we'll, we want to maybe resolve it really quickly in a superficial way. And I just had a commitment that I was going to walk into the tension and I was not going to run away from this question. And so, and that's all, that was it. That's all I did. And the work, what it gave back to me, I'm a little bit of a researcher, and so I began reading as much firsthand accounts as I could, books, articles, scholarship, anything that I could. And I was struck with this one sort of, when I research, I'm like a really inefficient researcher, but um, I'm looking for like redundancies, something that surfaces time and time again that feels similar. And there was this idea that continued to resurface that is um, sort of breathtaking to me. And it was that when the missionaries brought Jesus to the indigenous people, that they recognized Jesus. There was something within them, and this is, I'm telling you, I've, I read this in countless examples. There was something in them that resonated with who Jesus was. They recognized him, they knew him, they had a love and a respect for, for him. But this is also for you guys, my homies in the balcony, this is for you too, okay? So they recognized Jesus, they embraced Jesus, but they hated the culture of the men who brought him. And I think that reality sort of is changing my life because it's where we are today. And I'm not here to, I mean, my context has been a, a Western world. I have those influences. But when you think about the Western ideal, ideology, when you think about this doctrine of discovery, the way it was embedded in our foundations, that there would be a hierarchy of power, that you would have to um, look or be European in order to follow Jesus, that you would have to, that there would be a theology embedded in our theology and our narrative and our imagination that somebody could be other. That some of us could be more important or more valuable than others. That is a Western construct. It is a dysfunction of Western society. When you think about Western culture, there is an idea of power, there is an idea of beauty, there is an idea of physical beauty, there's an idea of strength. And actually, the truth of the matter is those things are in complete opposition to the man of Jesus, to the message of Jesus, to the gospel. Mm. And so what do we do with that tension? We must push into that tension. And the t what that tension and, and this like sort of like tenacity, like I'm going to push into it because Jesus is compelling. His life is compelling. The places where I find myself in my faith where it doesn't, it doesn't make sense. You guys know what I'm talking about. Why do we do it this way? What, what's really happening here? It's, it is because 
man, this is my, why don't you remind me? Oh. I always forget to go through the slides. Because <laughs> you're preaching it. You're preaching it. Come on. <laughs> this is some of the work that I made <laughs> as I'm receiving this mm-hmm. from God. You know, as, as God is showing me that Jesus was not, please hear me, Jesus was not a Western man. I know you know that. Jesus was not a white man. I know you know that. He did not live in a Western context. The scripture was not written through a Western lens. When we approach Jesus with our Western lens, it's possible we're not getting the whole Christ. And this is where a diverse body matters. Because God is a God of all people, of all places, of Mm -hmm. all nations. God was not, I love love saying this, God was not an absentee landlord for North America. Those were his people. Mm -hmm. And and so this is why it matters that we have other voices that we listen to. Otherwise, we, be, we get a very myopic, narrow view of what it means to follow Jesus. And I would submit that it is possible this is part of our malaise today. So, so what, do we, what do we do with the tension I say this because I'm just going to tell you guys, I'm just going to be honest with you, there is not a group of people I would rather be talking to. I have like a real deep abiding love for you. I am an evangelist, if you will, for your generation. Because I don't know if you know that there are people out there saying things about you. And they're actually not very nice things. But I know you guys and I'm, I'm continually impressed with who you are as people. I'm continually impressed with your integrity, your responsibility, with your engagement with your faith, even the wrestling, the places where we wrestle and, and we, we maybe critique. I just want to say that's a sign of your faithfulness. But what, one of the things that I learned from my ancestors was, it's, this is not like a popular historical telling, okay? We, when we talk about what happened within Native American contact and removal, which was barbaric, there were also benevolent parts of it. It's full of tension and paradox. Um, what we, one of the things that, that comes back and back and back is that our people actually demonstrated a tremendous amount of agency. Agency is the word that we use to say, like, we weren't just victims. We took what was given to us and we, we made something of it. And the agency, like, the, 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 the message of Jesus was brought to the indigenous people of America, and they actually made something of Christianity that was pretty remarkable. If you were to, into my, my tribal community, 
the Chickasaws, majority of native Chickasaw speakers are Christian today. They made something of it. They exhibited agency. And this is always the thing that I, I want to say to you, and I'm just, gonna, I'm just getting to say it, is that here we are in this place, in time and history. And we look out into the world, we see a lot of division. We see people we love and respect saying and doing, quite frankly, things that seem in opposition to who Jesus is. And you, as young people, you have agency in this. You have agency in the expression of the church moving forward. It has, it's, you're not special. It's just been the way that it's always been. I, one of my favorite things to say also is that in every age, God calls people to make the story beautiful. And the story of Jesus needs some people to make it beautiful. And I think that it would, it would be wise of us to look at our faith and to try to make the distinction that my ancestors made. Here is Jesus, and here is cultural trappings. And how do we separate those things? Part of that will be the work of your life, but I just want to say that I personally am extremely confident in the future that, that you are going to go forward and create. Please receive your creative agency. You are a creative person on this earth before you are anything else. You do not have to be a victim to the state of things. But it has to be a continual turning back to who Jesus was, to his life, and to his teachings. Do you have anything else to say? I'm a, I didn't know artists could give such good sermons. <laughs> That's great. You want to pray us out of here? Let me do it. You do it. All right. I'll pray and then you guys are dismissed. Father God, we are so thankful to you. So thankful for who we are in Christ, Lord and for who you are in giving us that identity. And Lord, help us to run toward the tension that we find in our lives, Lord, knowing that you will guide us and direct us in that, Lord. And Lord, help us to know that we are all valuable in the kingdom. And Lord, help us to take these words and take these ideas, Lord, and bring them before you. And, and, and it's okay to struggle with those ideas, Lord. And we want you, Lord, to know that we look to you for all our answers, Lord. And so, Lord, help each of these young people, not only today, but for the rest of their lives, know that you are there, you guide, you direct, you are <laughs> transcendent in their lives, Lord. And I just pray that in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. All right, thank you, guys. <laughs> Thanks for listening to this episode of the John Brown University Chapel Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on iTunes or whatever platform you're listening on, and we'd love it if you would leave us a review.